every time you and I do this show for the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, on top of some actual news, which is kind of fun, right? I mean, I mean, usually we're kind of recapping what happened over the weekend. We'll do that too. But uh, this business here with Northwestern postponing this ball- basketball game this week um, tomorrow night is is an interesting thing. Uh, you know, um, I, I'm of two minds about this. I get the whole idea. We don't. Uh, we certainly want to, would not want to get the Iowa basketball team sick and have them somehow not be able to compete down the road. And yet at the same time, it sure seems like Northwestern's the one who should be uh, literally taking a forfeit here. They've got enough guys to play. They just don't feel like it. Well, how do you determine that they have enough guys to play because they're saying that they have people who are injured? They, as well as they have the, sick. As well as the COVID. They're saying they have sick. Well, you need right. to have seven. The rules clearly state you must have seven. Well, then you, then you, then the rules clearly state that it's a forfeit, right? I, I you know what, and I, I, I to me, honestly, that's the only I'd answer. I would play and and play the game, right? I, I, I really don't care. But I think it's just an interesting argument that has gone back and forth today. When I thought it was going to happen, I wasn't too, um, you know, took a, too shaken up about it. But I started to watch people, you know, pull out the, hey, the rules are that Northwestern forfeits this game, right? There's no, hey, we'll give them a break. The rules are they forfeit this game. Well, actually, that's not 100% true. Uh, our friend Trent Condon found the addendum to the original rule <laughs> that okay. said, that said, basically, it's up to the teams and uh, meaning this, if the team doesn't meet the criteria uh, to have the seven players, they are allowed to post the Big Ten is allowed to postpone that game and then determine whether or not you, if and when they want to reschedule uh, the game. But it, it it takes away the automatic forfeit uh, if if the teams don't have enough players and COVID is part of that equation. And, you know, it sure seems to me that here we are, January of 2023, and we're still using this as some sort of safety issue an excuse uh, different than you would the puking flu, uh, you know, any other sloppy diction, whatever you want to call some sort of strange uh, malady <laughs> that comes upon, yeah. you know, yeah. a, baske- a basketball team. And so I just, I, you know. Look, if they had if they had half their team that all had sprained their ankle in the Michigan game that we all were able to watch on Saturday, and literally they walked off one at a time after another, another, um, and then they were like, "Well, these guys are all hurt. What are we going to do?" You know what the, the answer to that would be? Tough toodles. You know, sure, right. drive over to Iowa City, prepare to spend the night because you're going to be in a snowstorm on the way home. And uh, play basketball with the walking wounded, but no. Well, and you look, you guys look got at, the sniffles. Uh, you know, right? Iowa's recent losses. You know, the the three, and they've won four in a row, by the way. But you know, three before that. Uh, obviously, uh, Chris Murray was out of the EIU game along with uh, Connor McCaffrey. So he had two start starters out. Uh, when they finally did get back, um, neither t- played particularly well for about a game and a half. Uh, you know, Chris Murray clearly finding his way. Not sure how things were going to feel. 
And then suddenly he goes off for 31, 32, and 27, right? So, right. Um, you know, that was important, right? And, and so I, but Iowa still played the game without their best player, right, and without two starters. I mean, I, I understand um, – you're right. You're right. A few injuries here and there. I get it. it it's too bad. But uh, the interesting thing here is that it's COVID. And, and, and honestly, people, you know, as much as and, – and I'm I'm one of them, right? I think I know a lot about COVID at this point. Enough to say, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's – uh, for well, I've had it twice. And, right. Um, and I've watched you experience it. We've all experienced yeah. it in a different way. Um, you know, the first time, time it put me down for three weeks. Second time it put me down for three days. Right. Right. Um, and, and and the 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 difference being, of course, that uh, and the Lord willing, I'm a relatively healthy 54 year old male, not 65 year old male. And, uh, you know, for for 19, 20, 25 year old kids, it's literally less than a sniffle. Right. I mean, it will it, it will it could put you down for the count for a few days, but you're not going to die. Right. Well, they're not, they're not running to the ER anymore, and you know, and we're not right, we're right. not experiencing. Not no. In fact, it, in fact, it hasn't happened. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, and, and we saw reports here coming out this week that they've uh, the, the, they've overestimated the number of COVID deaths by about sixty six percent because um, anybody who died with COVID uh, is counted in the number that they report on the news. Right? Doesn't matter whether you died from COVID. It depends whether you died with COVID. We can argue that. People will probably be tweeting in, which is great. You can go ahead and argue with me all you want. Either way, the point the, the point I'm trying to make is at this point, it's not what it was two years ago where we didn't know what was going on. We were afraid of this thing so much, and and we and frankly, there was nothing. Um, you know, the vaccines, as much as they don't work to keep it from you, because they don't, they don't stop you from getting it clearly. But they right. do seem to shorten it up, right? They they do seem to make it better, right? And so if kids have that, uh, the vaccine, it does seem to, to make it uh, go away faster. Um, so it, it, is a, it, is a, it is not what it was a couple of years ago, and here we still are with this. And uh, is Kevin Warren still the commissioner of the Big Ten? Did he resign well, yet, or what's the deal? Well, he clearly has taken the Bears' job since he was introduced today at Hallis Hall. Okay, well, as the president and CEO. There's no commissioner. CEO of the Big Ten. Um, I have okay. applied. It's my understanding Lucy Rodine has applied. Uh, Andrew Ridge has applied. Well, get it over you. She's way funnier than you. I don't know. I don't know. She's, <laughs> she certainly thinks she's funnier than me. She's very clever. You have your moments. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, let's, let's uh, dive into what happened this week because it was a good week. And, I, and, and, by the way, I did call for us to win both games this week. I know at one point in time I had my doubts. Iowa down 10. And then seven with uh, two minutes to go against Michigan, but they came back and won that one in overtime, 93-84. And then against Maryland, 81-67. Really, they were up 16 uh, fairly quickly. They were up 10, 15, 16. Maryland 39, closed 23. Through, I think three. Yeah, but you know, but but really, Iowa was red hot, and and Maryland did not play that game defensively. It's so funny when you watch a crappy team like Nebraska beat you. And they they identify uh, your weaknesses and play to those weaknesses, and then you watch a team like Maryland who has a little bit of talent, completely just not play defense the way that they could against you, and you just score at will, right? And Iowa won eighty one sixty seven the other day. That's four in a row that puts them at twelve and six, four and three in the Big Ten, up to number thirty two in Ken Palm and number thirty five in the net. And David, they were they were at sixty eight after right. that loss to Penn State. So, yeah, two, you know, they're moving up quickly back into the conversation, right? Well, and, 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 you know, the latest bracketology, which I think is absolutely 
the most worthless thing that people put out there, but it, people find it interesting. Iowa is currently a seven seed um, in w- one of them. Uh, and, and, you know, the good news is, and in only speaking to that bracketology stuff, you want to make sure you're still in those conversations well on before we get to the end of March. You just don't want to show up the day before the, the draft, if you will, and go, okay, here's Iowa, here's my resume, uh, take a look at me now. Um, the bigger problem I have with this postponement of this Northwestern game is that you're on a schedule, they're on a pace, the, the mental aspects of how this Big yep. Ten season yep. has been broken out, okay, now you have a game, or you had a game, at least I know today, uh, that you were supposed to play tomorrow, and then you were at a strategy for recovery from that game, uh, preparing for Ohio State, and then going to Ohio State to play that game. I, that's on Saturday, I think, Saturday morning. So, so Saturday now one on uh, Fox. Fox. There you go. Gus Johnson doing the call. Yeah. There you go. So it's it's Saturday at one, and and now, much like in 2014 when we showed up to Bloomington, Indiana, and the roof caved in. Uh, and that game had to be yeah. postponed. Yep. And then they rescheduled Iowa to play, if I'm not mistaken, five games in nine nights. Um, and that was the beginning of the Fran fade back in 2014. Well, For that year, yep, yep. Yeah, for, for that season. They were on a roll season. going into that Indiana game, and it, 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 they were on a roll going in. You and I did our show that night, um, and we were preparing to do a, a game preview and ended up it was being postponed, which was interesting. But it ended up Iowa played terrible because they did. They played five games in nine nights, and it ended up really hurting them. I, I don't know where they're going to go with this one. Well, and I, I haven't looked down. Have you looked at the schedule to see, you know, where's the hole? Where's the normal break? I think Condon had them like February 12th or somewhere in there that weekend. I'm not sure. Uh, but, Super Bowl you, you weekend. Know, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I will say this. Um, this, this, this team is hot. Right? The yeah. Team's playing basketball very, very well right now. Uh, they're getting contributions all over the place. When you know, just when you you decide that Tony Perkins is not going to be uh, what he has been for you, and, and Josh Dix and Peyton Sanford come in and 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 bring you back, you know, against Michigan and look like those are the guys that need on the floor need to be on the floor. You know, turns around Tony Perkins. Um, Maryland doesn't figure out how to defend him. They don't sag off of him, so he goes to the hole. And he scores 22 points, his career high. I mean, this team's finding ways to, to get it done. Rebracha was covered up on Sunday, but they found ways to get it done. And you hate to break that cadence, right? You hate right. To break that rhythm. Uh, I understand rest. Rest is great, and, and maybe even mentally that's great. But planned rest. Planned rest. They got a planned rest yeah. is great. Uh, I agree. Unex- unexpected yep. rest is different. It throws you off your schedule. There was even a, an opportunity or, or a thought that Patrick might be coming back on Wednesday, uh, you know, for the uh, Northwestern game. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. And so now, if Patrick does come back, it will have to be uh, waiting until Saturday on the road, which I don't know if that provides him more anxiety or less. I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's up up to him. But, you know, nevertheless, and you make a great point. On, on Sunday, it was Perkins and Euless. On against Michigan, I sat there and I watched that lineup and I went, "How are they getting this done?" Dix is running the point. 
Connor's facilitating. Uh, Murray's scoring. Um, Rabracha is getting rebounds and scoring. And Peyton Sanford, again, uh, you know, you talk about Murray being hurt in those first three games that Iowa lost in the Big Ten. Got to remember, Peyton Sanford didn't score a point in any of those games. He was 0 for 17 in those first three games. And he got the slump buster with Gabby Marshall, and all of a sudden things are fine. That's his you know, admitted um, his admitted slump buster, not not some sort of thing, a deal where they, those two got together, and, and figured out a way to get out of their respective slumps. And nice. I, hey, they're college students. What more can you ask for? Collaboration <laughs> right. between the men's and women's basketball it, right? team. No, man, and boy, the women are scoring like crazy. If you watch that Penn State game there, we'll talk about that a little later, but. I, I really do think, you know, you can't underestimate Josh Dix giving you 32 minutes on uh, against Michigan because the other guys weren't playing very well. And if the other team decides, now what you're looking at is this. Um, first of all, Peyton Sanford is, has figured out uh, that he needs to be turned and, and heading toward the hole instead of sideways, and he's fine, right? Second of all, Josh Dix, if he has to go in there, right? So if, if, the, if the other team decides, okay, I'm going to let Perkins and Eulis shoot these three-pointers because they can't, or these mid-range jumpers because they're not real good at them. They sag back in the lane on Rebracha and maybe on, on Murray, um, and God willing, possibly Patrick. Uh, now you, you bring in Sanford and Dix, right? And so suddenly you can't leave those guys wide open, right? I know Connor uh, has had off and on uh, some success with the three to let this year, but, but really when you start adding it up, you know, the game's about making shots, right? And boy, yep. it opens up completely when you got a guy or two who can knock down a couple of threes. I, I love what Dix brings to the game because it's very calm, right? That Michigan game, you could have yeah. been – I mean, it, I mean, those guys were – that's an athletic Michigan team. And he's just walking the ball up the court, taking his time. And when he fed Peyton Sanford that, for that four-point play, if you notice, uh, Patrick Dix goes to his right. He goes to his right. Right. Anyway, goes to his right, uh, takes a couple of dribbles, and then turns and fires it back to Stanford coming around the curl. In other words, that's his play, right? He knew yes. what he was doing. And, and rather than waiting for it, rather than standing and dribbling the air out of the basketball, waiting for Peyton Stanford to come to him, he took all of the action to the other side of the court. He turned the men with him. The guys right. guarding the ball. The guys got, He turned the guys so that Peyton Stanford could come around that screen and, and curl in and get an open look rather than a guy who's, like, standing there following him, right? It, it's just well, the little tiny things that you do as a point guard that make you a better player. Well, I'm Sorry, I'm talking into the music. Yeah, that's for sure you did. Nice eight-minute rant. We'll be back on the Hawkeye Huddle in a couple minutes. And we'll come back. Hawkeye Huddle, live at G-Migs today. Myself, Dave Creighton Jr., Brett Ridge, joining us on the phone. Intern Andrew Ridge, running the ones and twos. I think it's just the one <laughs> uh, as we get here. Unfortunately, Tom Caker will not be able to join us, Brett. So uh, just you and me for the uh, oh. balance of our hour. And uh, Well, once in 19, well, twice in 19 years, I suppose. Well, whatever, once right? was a funeral, and he's in the middle of something. So we'll, we'll give him a, a, a pass, a hall pass. But uh, hall pass on that. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to Maybe. I wanted to mention or, or say, and you were talking about the way that the lineups have changed. You got to give some credit to Fran, and I don't think we, you and I, do 
enough of this, is that he sat Perkins and Eulis down, and he was he was pissed with them in the Michigan game because they weren't playing any defense. Tony's lack of offense had led him to no longer guarding anyone, and Eulis was a turnover machine there for in the early part of the second half, and, and he sat him down. And those guys are ready to be playing, right? The team comes back down from down seven, like you said, gets the four-point play, goes to overtime, ends up winning. They were celebrating with their team, but there was some body language that I, I kind of looked at, didn't really appreciate, particularly from Tony Perkins, after the game as they were kind of walking off, uh, walking off the court. And Fran reeled them back in. I think he as much said that and brought them back in the fold, explained to them that they needed them that they're important, and that, you know, look, we went with the guys that were hot. And that, being able to bring back key contributors who, for whatever reason, are off their game one night and get them back in the fold in as fast as he did the very next day or next game and having them be the leaders of your team, that says something for the way that Fran has, has his team dialed in uh, with those different personalities that he has to work with. I, I totally agree, and I, I noticed it too. They um, they clearly both of them were kind of um, I don't say pouting, but they, their body language was okay. We won, but uh, I'm not real happy about sitting here, right? Right. And uh, look, you weren't playing well, right? And I, so, friend, I, you're right. I, I'm not sure exactly what he said to them. Of course, he demonstrated it by by starting both of them on Sunday, and. Um, I think that that uh, either one of them should notice that you know Fran does have a tendency to when lineups are working he stays with them, right? Um, and so you know and, and maybe to a fault sometimes where he doesn't get guys back in the game. But um, I, I definitely noticed that as well. And I, I think you got to give him some credit for for keeping those guys interested and getting them um, you know getting them some touches on Sunday and getting them the time on Sunday. So that they know, listen, you know, you still have a spot uh, starting on this team as long as you play defense, as long as you're interested in the game, as long as you're playing well. When you're not playing well, we have other people that can play for you, right? Well, and be successful yeah. playing for you. That's It's one thing to be benched right, and have a guy right, come in right. and, and not do anything because then you know you're going right back right. in there because you're the better option. Well, all of a sudden on Thursday night, you know, Dix was showing that maybe he was the better option. And Peyton Sanford was showing that he was the better option. And Connor, uh, the better option. Um, and I don't know, the ball movement with those five guys on Thursday was just amazingly good. Um, and, and they were able to hold their own. They, they managed to, Connor's Garden Dixon down there driving him crazy. Uh, and... I don't know. That was that was a really really big win. I thought Thursday and propelled them into Sunday, uh, where where like you said they dominated Maryland. Well, and, and I think you're right because Michigan has is a team with plenty of talent. Um, it'll get better and better. They clearly were red hot shooting. You know, what did uh, Jed Howard was what six of seven? Uh, what did he have twenty four in the first half? Three. Yeah, I mean, you know, he couldn't miss. And, and uh, you know, I think a, a win like that demonstrates to the team what happens when they, when they concentrate and they do things the right way. And they definitely did things the right way in that, you know, second half. 
and through most of the, you know, certainly in overtime as well. But I think the other thing is Peyton Sanford showed him how, how to do things the right way. Keep keep your head up, keep playing, keep shooting, and, and find your time and find what uh, what your role on this team will be. Uh, you know, currently um, there are, uh, if you start looking at the teams that Iowa has played, uh, so Clemson, that, that Clemson one gets a little bit uh, more impressive as time so, goes by. As Clemson is 15-3 and three and, and leading the ACC, and they beat Duke the other day. So right? does Iowa State. And um, even, yeah, so does Iowa State, even though they lost to Kansas, played really well. They've won a bunch of games. And the Seton Hall win uh, that I kind of have said, you know, Seton Hall's not very good. Well, they're playing better and better of late. And, you know, so Clemson and Seton Hall have climbed into the, uh, into the 50s range. I think that Seton Hall game ends up getting close to a quad one uh, or is a quad one because it was on the road. The Clemson game at a neutral site, I think, still has to uh, it has a chance to move up into that. And I don't know whether those teams are going to end up being, you know, a quad one win or not. But uh, they certainly are more impressive than we thought they maybe were uh, at the time that they happened. And Iowa played good basketball in those games. And, may, and we thought maybe the Clemson game, they didn't play so well. But it turns out Clemson's pretty good. And then certainly, you know, blitzing Iowa State. So there is a teamrankings.com. Is run, they run 1,000 simulations every morning. Uh, on Monday morning, they ran uh, their 1,000, and Iowa is uh, coming in somewhere right around 20 wins for the year at 20 and 11 and definitely in the tournament. Um, I, I, I think right now, obviously, there's a long way to go. But it's, it's good considering that two weeks ago, you and I were pretty much looking at we weren't sure – where a victory would come, not that well, they yeah. wouldn't come, but we weren't sure where it would come, right? Well, no question. And, you know, obviously it all started with the Indiana game, um, you know, and, and winning that. Uh, I don't know. You know, going to Ohio State, I was, I was watching Ohio State and Rutgers play, which was uh, literally a rock fight uh, between two teams that played exceptionally hard defense, but neither one could shoot. And, you know, that was kind of, you know, that's how Rutgers likes to play, right? They don't care if it's 55 to 54. And right, right, I, was yeah. not, I was not overly impressed with, uh, with what I saw out of Ohio State. And honestly, I always had good luck at that arena over there in Columbus for whatever reason. Um, at least the last couple of years, yeah. Right, yeah. right. In, in, in most recent past. Um, you know, and maybe that had a lot to do with Luca Garza and Keegan Murray. But, you know, how, however you get there, it was all good. So, um, you know, obviously another big game, another opportunity to get a road win, uh, which I would have to think is a, a quad one road win. You know, and if you get to 20, that means you got eight more wins in the Big Ten, which puts you at 12 and whatever, 12 and eight. 12 and 8 in the Big Ten, probably a number five seed in the Big Ten tournament again, uh, you know, and sitting there in the four or five game. Uh, but you're not playing on on Wednesday in the pigtail, uh, which is obviously one of the big things you want you want to avoid in the Big Ten tournament. Right, right, um, right. So, and of course, you know, we got two with Minnesota coming up, uh, which, you know, clearly looks like a win. I'm <laughs> – I surprised the I wife. I don't think we get them. At, I don't think we get them at home. Oh, we don't. We don't only get them we once. Get them at home. We got oh, so Nebraska comes yeah, to Iowa City. Ro- yeah. Okay, yeah. I think that's right. But uh, going to the uh, Michigan State game, 
Got went went got tickets. Uh, taking the wife and uh, what? We're going over the Michigan State game. Uh, Eleven a.m. start. Just be like a Saturday football game. <laughs> Go over, get a tailgate. You would cruise in, we cruise out. It's like going to Wisconsin. Yeah, sort of. Uh, except for uh, I think we're gonna spend the spend the day in the evening in lovely Iowa City. Uh, carry on as one would do, and and just enjoy our time, but. Nevertheless, uh, looking forward to that. I've been to a home basketball game since Iowa Nebraska, or Northwestern, and that was when the boys were young. That might have been ten yeah. years ago. Uh, so, <laughs> wow. well, and the fact of the matter is, Iowa doesn't get a lot of Saturday. Hasn't had a lot of Saturday or Saturday they afternoon no, uh, home not. games, and so this was. Uh, they have two this year. Uh, I think the first one's Illinois, uh, February. Fourth or that the weekend before uh, the Super Bowl weekend, and uh, nevertheless, so those those were the only two remaining that I even saw that I could go to um, before I was getting into March. So, at any rate, looking forward to, to that. As you mentioned, let's talk about the Iowa women for a second. The scoring machine continues. Um, I quit watching when it was like thirty-three to seven. At, or whatever it was after the first quarter of the Penn State game. And I was like, well, I think they... So you quit after like five minutes? <laughs> well, the first quarter. Um, I think I made that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Iowa has scored over 103 of the last four times they played Penn State. So they clearly have them, them figured out. Um, but I'm what I'm most pleased about, honestly, I think that they're – while the scoring is still good – I think their defensive intensity, at least early in the games, has been very, very good lately, allowing them to get these leads. And so some of the points that the teams have been scoring have not been what I would call, you know, money time points, but rather nearly garbage time. So the women are women are playing very well. I think they're ranked 12th uh, in the AP, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and and if they can keep that up, 10th, up to 10th. Uh, if they can keep that up, uh, they're going to do very well or have a nice – I think I saw them as a three seed in the NCAA uh, bracketology. Well, they, the, uh, they beat Northwestern 93-64 last week, and then, of course, the Penn State 108-67 win. And, yeah, it was 34 points in that first quarter, and I watched it the other day. They had 59 at halftime. So they were, you know, in fact, they had a minute left in the quarter when they scored their 34th point. Uh, they were 13 to 14 at that point and then <laughs> missed their last three. They were on pace somehow to get up to like 160. That wasn't going to happen, but, you know. But they're 14 and 4, 6 and 1. I think they're number 11 in the RPI. We still use that antiquated uh, metric. And, um, yeah, you know, they're looking at, at, at a home game again. And that'll be important, right? Right. Um, that'll be good considering they're, they're drawing. I think they drew 13,000 people the other day against Penn State. You know, that's, right. a, that's a, a big number for a, a, an unranked team. So this week, though, it gets a little tougher. Michigan State on, uh, uh, on the road tomorrow. And then uh, Ohio State, who is undefeated, is on the road on Monday, and that's on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock. Uh, so if they can get through Michigan State, they're setting up pr- a pretty big, big game at Ohio State next week. Uh, with a team that uh, that uh, was expected to be good, but they lost one of their better players, and they're still really, really good. Um, I agree. I thought their defense has gotten better. I think they're more difficult. Uh, they're more difficult 
defend is guards who can penetrate. And, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's standard with college basketball. And that's where Iowa, uh, the Iowa women um, kind of fall off the table a little bit is they have a tough time if they get penetrating guards. So if, if they can handle that, because I thought Penn State had a couple of guards that were supposed to be like that, if they can handle that uh, in these upcoming games, uh, look out. Because, you know, at 6-1, and one, who knows where they're going to go. And, of course, they right. won both Big Ten regular seasons and uh, tournament championship last year. So with everybody back, you're expecting them to be good again. Maybe they weren't playing great for a while, but, boy, uh, this is fun to watch. It's certainly fun to watch, and and, and uh, apparently thirteen thousand people thought it was fun to watch on Saturday. Well, the, the women have that. They've got a uh, what's a, a very uh, loyal group of people who go and follow them, and then you get them on a weekend, and it's like you know what the heck? Let's go watch the women. They're going to score. They play a fun brand of basketball. Plus, you get a That's cone. Right. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, uh, let's mention the, the in football, in case anybody missed it, the, uh, the, the Rouse kid that we were trying to get out of Stanford to transfer, uh, first committed to Nebraska over Iowa, and then uh, flipped to Oklahoma. So uh, who knows what shifting sands he was on, but uh, he's not going to be an Iowa Hawkeye. Uh, Kirk and the boys will have to turn their attention elsewhere to try to find some more offensive linemen and maybe a wide receiver or two. Um, that was the last news uh, out of the recruiting front for football. And, um, by the way, David, uh, baseball is one month away, February 17th. Uh, they, they, they're starting up. And those guys have a game at uh, LSU this year. That will be kind of fun. And three oh, at that, Texas Tech, so that's kind of fun as well. So well, they'll, I, they'll at least they, be playing some, some teams. Yeah, it'll be but, fun to watch, um, uh, you know, as they go. No uh, question. I'm not sure how much time we got left before the break. Do you want to dive into wrestling? Well, we were uh, Andrew and I. They just the Big Ten does the uh, sixty and or top ten matches over over the week, and they just showed Spencer Lee's uh, first period pin against the number three ranked wrestler from Northwestern. Um, took him down, let him up, took him down again. Tried the move, just missed it. Tried it again, pinned him minute forty seven. Spencer Lee is is must see uh, TV right now if he's if he's wrestling because he. I'm frankly, I'm glad that he's back wrestling during the during the season before we get down to the end. So that's our wrestling moment. <laughs> we'll be back on the Hockey Huddle 101.3. The champ. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Huddle. Dave Creighton Jr. here live at GMAX. Uh, Brett Ridge joining us on the phone. Want to thank our great sponsors, two of which I'm looking at currently. Brian Howkey Mortgage. Angie Lancaster, Remax Concepts, appreciate them so much. Hey, want to thank Bacon Fest. And uh, Bacon Fest is coming up May 12th. We're going to have a giveaway. Looks like it'll probably be in February. And we've got AMPM Plumbing. What do they do, Andrew? They do plumbing. They do plumbing. That's right, they do. And if you're in need here, in, they're down here in Valley Junction as well. As, and, of course, GMAX. And then, Brett, it is a somber week. Uh, 30th anniversary of the tragic death of Chris Street. And uh, I don't know if you've watched the trailers from the Big Ten Network, but this is going to be a full box of tissues required to watch this. <laughs> yeah, you know, so the the, um, the Big, Ten, um, Big Ten Network's uh, show t- tomorrow night will be moved up to 8 o'clock by the, time, by the way. Uh, when Iowa was supposed to be playing Northwestern. 
uh, all about Chris Street. And uh, it'll be a real interesting show, of course, uh, uh, the effect he had on Iowa basketball, but the entire state. And, and you know, when you, you look back, um, it's grown into legendary status in a lot of different ways. And so it'll be really, really interesting to watch that show. And, yeah, it'll be a bit of a tearjerker. Um, and, and I think so your point here is we wanted to do our Fifth Street Five this week, uh, brought to you by Private Wealth Asset Management there in uh, Valley Junction. Uh, we wanted to do that on Chris Street in the great moments. And, you know, it's kind of hard, actually, David, to remember the actual games. I mean, it's not like he hit a bunch of game winners. Um, but there were so many moments surrounding his life. So I think we've pieced together enough to at least put together a list. What, what do you have? Well, and in, in quite honestly, my, my list is uh, not necessarily just his games, but certain things that happened both before and then, then again, after yes. after his passing. So, the one thing you know, it's amazing to think that his last game was at at Duke at Cameron, um, where he set the free throw record. Uh, Jim Nance and Billy Packer were like, "This guy's going to play in the NBA." He was the best player on the court, and that court had Grant Hill, it had Christian Leitner, it had a lot of incredibly good uh, Duke basketball players. Uh, that game, obviously, because it was his last one, well, you'll always remember that, and and how he, I mean, I think the Cameron Crazies even liked him. Yeah, that would be on. That would certainly be on the list because of the the, the free throw and and the, uh, the fact that they had been going nuts, and, and you know Iowa did end up losing that game, but they were close for a long time, and and um, I know I remember. Dick Vitale saying later in the year, you know, with with Chris Street, they thought he thought Iowa was a special team that, that could go all the way. Without him, they were a good basketball team, and and um, they did come out when they finally, you know, they postponed the game that uh, that happened. So for me, the, the number four uh, Chris Street moment is literally I was at the airliner that night uh, yeah. in Iowa City, um, as as I am was wont to do back in those days. And um, they came in, and, and uh, somebody came in, and they, they shut it down. Uh, Chris Street had been killed, and we all went outside, and everybody went home. And it, um, and it was a very somber uh, event. It was kind of a – it's certainly not a Kennedy moment, of course, but yeah, right. it is. You remember where you were, and, and I, was at, I, was at, I was at the airline. That would be number four for me. Well, no question that that, that was uh... – a telling moment, obviously. Uh, I remember being at home uh, watching the news that it came on. And, and you know, I remember that weekend, the following weekend, there I went to a Valley uh, basketball game. My friend was coaching the girls. And they were doing, you know, like a bucket. And people were throwing all kinds of money in the bucket. Uh, Chris Street Memorial Fund or, or whatever it was. I I have I have one that's not public in that one of my memories is that I, I got to play in the Chris Street Memorial Golf Tournament that used to be held out at Lake Panorama. Uh, our team did not win, but we had a great time uh, playing in that event. Uh, that was probably t- two years after after he passed away. So that is one of my memories. Um, go well, ahead. And then, I, and then I think you can put – you can, and then I think you can, you know, you can put some games on. On here. yeah, certainly, you know, uh, number, number one is going to be the Michigan game at home that followed right. up two games later. But they did go to Michigan State uh, to play their first game, 
and they they were undermanned. They were at the Breslin Center where nobody won, uh, from and nobody ever won there. And um, they were down 12 or 14 with two and a half minutes to go. Came back, tied it up, and, and went into overtime, and won a basketball game. Uh, the first one after after Chris had died. And then just a couple days later, they came home and against the Fab Five um, on national television with the Street family in attendance and, and tears and hugs everywhere. The most emotional game ever. They came from behind uh, to win uh, win again. And certainly he inspired people in a number of different ways. That team uh, probably considered, you know, not a, a big success because they lost uh, in the second round of the NCAA tournament, didn't make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, I think Wake Forest uh, knocked them out that year. Or was it North Carolina Rod- State? Maybe Rodney Carolina Rogers. State at Wake Forest. And he was North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, okay, it was Wake Forest. Uh, but at Vandy. But it, it, in, in any case, in any case, it it, it uh, those are things we're all going to remember, and um, I, I think it'll be great to watch this uh, this thing that the Big Ten is doing uh, about him because um, they only choose so many guys to honor this way, right? Um, right. Uh, legends of the Big Ten, right? And and. He is a legendary figure in Iowa, and it's going to be fabulous to, for them to honor him this way. So you know, I'm looking what, forward to that. Um, I will, yeah. One of the things that Iowa basketball used to do is they used to give the number 40 to a, uh, a player who was from Iowa who exemplified uh, Chris Street, and it was, you know, people were like jostling to get to wear 40. I remember Wade Looking Bill got to do it. I think Jess Suttles wore 40 one year. Um but they they stopped doing that, and I think they just retired the number in the jersey. And uh, you know, there's a, there's a big presence in Carver Hawkeye. If you ever get a chance, I know you have to be kind of down there on the floor and go back towards the locker room of of Chris Street as you come out the locker room. Yeah, and they and they certainly have made no secret of the fact that he was an honored player. And I think, you know, I, I do think uh, when you look around. Um, when when you look around college athletics right now, successful teams in most conferences are not necessarily built on hometown players. But Iowa seems to, and certainly Iowa State never is, right? I mean, they had a couple. They here, haven't they been. They sprinkle a couple here and there. Not since Fred right. Weber. But but the Iowa football team is littered uh, with with uh, Iowa kids, walk-ons, and and two and three-star kids uh, that. Uh, contribute significantly. The Iowa basketball team always is, right? And right now, if you look at uh, the, the kids that are coming in next year, okay, we're going to give uh, Brock Harding and, and Owen Freeman, uh, they're from Moline. Okay. Close right. enough, right? And, they're, and uh, they're watching, uh, come Casey, in with them. They're watching right. uh, Iowa you City know. and Quad City channels. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're in there, and of course, Peyton Sanford and the McCaffrey's on the team right now, both the Murray boys the last couple of years. These are all Iowa kids. Um, and Josh Dix, Council Bluffs, right? I mean, you, you start, it's just, it, it goes uh, in and out over the years that Iowa kids have contributed to these programs. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I, I love the fact that we have homegrown talent that stays home and plays for their home state. And, and Chris Street would not have done it any other way either. Um, no, and so absolutely not. Uh, I think that it, it sticks with him, right? For sure. Hey, for sure. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to leave the show before we do mention that the wrestlers do have stuff coming up here. Yep. Um, hurry. They did win that that meet twenty-seven to nine against Nebraska. I'm sorry, against Northwestern. Uh, they got Nebraska Friday, and then Wisconsin Sunday. But then down the road, start peeking ahead because Penn State 
Minnesota, Michigan, and Okie State are all on the on the docket starting on the 27th of, uh, of January. So there's some real good teams coming down the road at them, and I think they're getting tuned up. Spencer Lee, of course, uh, like you mentioned, but Real Woods had a big victory the other night that they didn't expect. Uh, Tony Cassiope took care of his guy who was uh, ranked fourth uh, behind him, and so uh, there's some good things happening there. I, it's it's still going to be an uphill climb from a points to, uh, standpoint for a national championship this year, but uh, going to be a lot of fun as these matches are all going to be on TV. Right, uh, and that's the... is doing a terrific job with that as is ESPN. I mean, it's it's so fun that they're going to be on. Yeah, no question, and uh, that's on my permanent DVR. All Iowa wrestling. All Iowa wrestling. There you go. I think it's in the cloud, but go. I don't know how that works. So with our well, last so, call, with, let's go with our last call. Uh, obviously, we only got one game, <laughs> or one men's game anyway. Uh, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? And I don't. I don't like. I don't like the postponement of the of the game till sat. You know, them not playing till Saturday. Um, I don't like going on the road to Ohio State. Um, I think this might be a tough loss on Saturday, uh, and and I don't think it's I don't think it's a harbinger of things to come. I just think it's you go on the road, you're in a tough uh, situation, and um, they the, Iowa is bound to be cold one of these games, and and uh, Ohio State may get them uh, at the end because they're just a little bit warmer in, in terms of shooting. I, I think uh, we got good things ahead, but this might be a, a loss this weekend. Well, it's certainly a tough challenge. You know, anytime you go on the road in the Big Ten, it's a tough challenge. Um, I'll go with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go sort of on the again one and one this week. We would have won against Northwestern and lost Ohio State, and I'm saying that because of the last two weeks I've predicted this one and one, and we are still two and zero oh in both those weeks. So that's my plan with the uh, uh, um, not having the game on uh, uh, tomorrow night. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to go one and one, but nevertheless. So we'll look forward to that, and we'll look forward to having you back in the saddle uh, here next to me next week. Yeah, you know, we, we've, we figured out how to do this thing with one of us on the road, but it's not nearly as much fun. There's no question, right? No, um, no question. The intern, Andrew, has been helpful, you know, but nevertheless. All right. Yeah, That's going to do it for us too. on the Hawkeye right, Thank you. We'll be back next week live here at GMEGS on 101.3 The Champ.